why she started being miraculous that's i think that's the fundamental problem that we i'm trying to solve is how can we be more at ease we are so much in conflict within and you know outside of us in our own self imposed miseries how can we really find more ease and peace throughout no matter where we are what we do how do we really find that on the one routine that she swears by i think meditation really gave me that space between my thoughts and my feelings and myself and really be able to choose how to act and i think in our busy lives today we lack that space and meditation i think is a most most beautiful way to really create that on a daily basis where you just have you're just more present in everything that you do right on dealing with procrastination absolutely i think all of us face procrastination but i think the biggest way i deal with procrastination is and what motivates her to wake up every day i used to be the person who used to wake up crying a couple of years ago because it was that state of depression so my my you know the work has been to create a life where i wake up looking forward to everything that i have to not just good things but also the not so good things and the bad things Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high achieving 9 to 5er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Hey everyone, welcome to the final episode of 2022 and today I'm bringing on a very special guest, someone from the coaching industry, someone I've known for a while and a fellow coach, Shweta Shivraman. We are going to be talking about habits, routines, rituals, productivity, procrastination and so much more. as we prepare to bring in 2023 shweta is a podcaster self awareness coach and founder of being miraculous she is an avid seeker always curious about maximizing life and helping self and others unlock their fullest potential join me in this conversation as we dive into routines habits and rituals and be sure to wait till the end where we have a guided visualization led by shweta for you as you bring in 2023 I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have loved putting it together for you. With that, I wish you a fabulous 2023 and we'll see you on the other side. Hi Shweta, welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. I know you and me have had such a long-standing relationship and it's very very exciting that I'm talking to you on the podcast and it's going to be me as an interviewer versus just the other kind of conversation we normally have. So welcome I'm looking forward to this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting uh change for us. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we've done something like this of course during Clubhouse. We've done that when we used to do those sessions. So, you know, happy to continue along the same path. So, one question which I know a little bit about, but I would actually want to go deeply into is about the being miraculous. Talk to me about starting this, how you went down this pathway. from you know a corporate career so share with us your story sure so i think being miraculous uh, probably started at my lowest point uh, in my corporate career so it was a period where almost everything was great on paper but 
something just felt amiss for me, right? There was a big void that I was trying to figure out uh, what was amiss. And that's when I started being reckless. So I've always had a fascination for writing and writing is my go-to means of self-expression. So being miraculous also started as a blog, right? So I would simply pen down my reflections on what was not making sense for me in the world that I was living in and why it was not making sense and just trying to understand. And that process was basically just captured in my blogs. And over the years, two years later, you know, many writings, many experiments later, I realized that, hey, maybe it's not something uh, that's wrong with the corporate world, but maybe it's me. I'm not a fit into that space. So in 2018, I really took the punch to say that, let me go out and see there's something that feels more like home for me, which is more easy and comfortable. And that's when my journey started. So in 2019 is when we moved it from blogs to audio podcasts. And then somehow things just clicked, right? So it resonated with many people, folks started writing to me saying that, you know, that's exactly what they wanted to hear. And they felt the same way. And they've been figuring out how to move ahead. And that's when I realized that, you know, probably we feel like we're alone in our journeys, but almost all of us are trying to figure out the same questions and the same answers, right? So trying to discover it our way. So I really started believing, saying, how can being reckless really be that space for all work in progress people who have that, you know, that desire to maximize life and really uh, live their best and, you know, discover their fullest potential. But so how do I really create space for that? And that's how being reckless evolved over a period of time. So it started off with just as podcasts. And now we basically have, you know, workshops, uh, restorative yoga sessions, and also obviously one-on-one coaching for those who'd like to work on specific challenges in their lives. But that's how it evolved over a period of time. And uh, I always jokingly say that I was being Miraculous's first customer because uh, all of that I was doing there was something that I needed for my own, you know, peace and uh, success internally. And that's how it started. So yeah, it's been a journey so far. And what is interesting is you moved into coaching as well. So what was the, uh, like, I would say the trigger that you move from wanting it for yourself first, uh, finding your own space, launching, uh, writing it out, becoming, starting this blog, then launching the podcast. And then, you know, you started the workshops and now you've really gone deep, right? You've gone into yoga, you're doing all of this. Was there a trigger? Was it very gradual? I think uh, there was a trigger in the sense that uh, I had, I really got tired of people accepting that this is status quo, right? Uh, when I was in the corporate world as well, and when I was feeling this discomfort and uneasiness and this missing void, I used to remember voicing it out to people around me. And they would say that, hey, Shweta, that's all adults, right? Everybody hates Monday mornings. Everybody lives weekend to weekend. What are you crying about? You know, everything is great on paper. And to me, that somehow just really struck as very, very wrong, right? So I'm a believer in life. I love, you know, this whole concept that we get to live. And, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, it takes so many miracles for us to simply breathe and be alive. So it just struck me as something wrong, saying, how can that be the case? And how can 80% of adults or, you know, 95% of us believe that and, you know, suffer through that process of life? And I think, that is what triggered my journey saying that, hey, this is not it. And I am going to find a better way. And obviously, when there were discoveries where I could discover that, yes, this helps, this can make my life a little better, even if it's just micro adjustments, right? One person better. And it just prompted me to share that, hey, if it has helped my life, I'm sure there are 10 other people or even one other person who can actually benefit from it. And that's how really, it's, uh, you know, it started. And uh, the journey then has just been more deeper and deeper because the more I discovered so yoga, Vedanta, you know, all the spirituality, I was like, 
all of these answers that we are asking is not you. You know, twenty five hundred years ago, Patanjali was talking about the issues of the mind and how the mind can actually obstruct us from, you know, uh, be an obstacle in living our best life. And he's already solved those questions. Why are we still, uh, you know, reinventing the wheel? How can we really take those that wisdom that's already available, put it in action today, and actually feel, you know, more at ease? That's I think that's the fundamental uh, problem that we, I'm trying to solve is how can we be more at ease? We are so much in conflict within and you know outside of us in our own self-imposed miseries, how can we really find more ease and peace throughout, no matter where we are, what we do, how do we really find that? So that was really the trigger point for me to say that, hey, this is not it. And I am going to challenge it and find a better way to lead lives. And that is not just some post-retirement bliss I'm going to experience in my life, but every single day. Yeah. I think when you say status quo, it's, it's a very, it's a very big trigger for me because for us, I'm of the previous generation. It was finish your degree, get, you know, headhunted. If you're lucky, you get campus hired. And it was all about, you know, which university, which MBA, all of that. And then you got into this workplace and that status quo because everyone's doing it. You've got it, like you said, it looks good on paper. And there wasn't a different way, maybe because we didn't have the models that or maybe I wasn't looking sometimes it's a combination of both it's who you surround with surround yourself with who are these people around you where you feel like there's a better way I've hated Monday mornings forever right so when I started my business it's interesting that you bring that up when I started my business the one thing that I said was Monday is going to be my easiest day it's going to be easy I'm going to ease into it and that's continued so yeah I think when you say status quo that's like it really resonates with me. And, and you bring in a very interesting point, right? Like I think in our previous generations also, probably they do not have that luxury or that privilege of choice, right? They like, you know, in my case of my parents, right? Like obviously money was uh, limited and they had to work for ensuring that they could keep the family and maintain that lifestyle. And all of that was necessary. So yes, definitely when it is, you know, a necessity, you do what you need to do. But when you have the choice, right? And you still choose to suffer, I think that is where the real tragedy is, right? So when you have the choice to act, at that time when we play the role of a victim and pretend to be helpless, I think that's that's really tragic and that's what I'm trying to solve. Yeah. And also, I think a big part of this is the awareness. Sometimes you just don't know. You don't know any better. And hearing it and being surrounded by all this information that we currently have uh, and then being able to choose is something that I feel this generation, this time in our life is, is the greatest time for that. And I want to bring, come to, you know, you're someone that I know from personally interacting, you have all these routines and habits and you really live by them, right? You're not someone who just, you know, preaches it, you practice what you preach. So share with us your favorite routines and habits. Uh, and I know every coach is like, you know, you want to be successful, have a morning routine, but you know, beyond the cliche, what's, what are your favorite routines and habits that you have followed that's worked for you? Yeah. So I am part of the cliche that uh, uh, I, I swear by my morning routine, uh, but I think I have a different definition of morning routine, which I also want to clarify. It's very commonly misinterpreted as a 5am thing, but I think I'll first talk about my routine and then I'll talk about how people can probably figure a way out to set those morning routines that work for them, right? So I think I'm a very uh, early morning person. So for me, mornings before sunrise are like the golden time. I really 
uh, thrive in the silence, I feel. So I really love the morning routine where I basically, you know, wake up, get up, shower, and I love my cold showers in the morning, uh, get into my mat, do my sadhana, and, you know, journal, write, and I'm set for the day, right? And all of this happens before 7 a.m. So it's like blissful and uh, quiet and, you know, very, very powerful for me because I feel like I've already won the day if I've done that, right? Uh, because I'm doing my most meaningful things in that first two hours of my waking up. But I think a lot of people commonly misconstrue morning routine as something that has to be done at 5 a.m. I think anything that you do to sort of set yourself, you know, set the intentions for the day and have some quiet in terms of just being with yourself and identify what is most important for me. Even if you do that at 10 a.m. in the morning, it doesn't matter, right? So it is more for setting that intention and saying that, hey, this is what I want to achieve and this is how I want to achieve it also. So one of the other things that I also am trying to inculcate now is not just the quantitative things about what do I really want to check off my list today, also how do I want to move through the day, right? So some days it can be that, you know, when I have back-to-back meetings, I'm going to, how am I going to, you know, find those pieces, pockets of calm in between so that I'm actually more equanimous throughout the day. So both in terms of what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve, if you're able to build in that morning routine, I think uh, it really just makes sure that you're not triggered, you know, by every little thing. And we have so many stimulants around us to actually trigger us. So this is just a way to sort of uh, build in that energy and sort of create like a cocoon around you so that when you go out, you're not like getting affected by everything that's happening around you. Yeah. And tell me what is one habit, if you can pinpoint, that is really like, like you may have been doing many things, but this is like really done wonders for your wellness, your own mental well-being, even something from the early days when you just started down this path. Meditation, hands on. I think, uh, see, none of us are obviously that good enough that we can actually achieve that end goal of meditation of that no mind state that we talk about. I probably try and fail miserably every day. And I have been doing that for the last four, four and a half years. But I think even just trying to meditate has given me so much, right? It just, even if you were to simply sit on the mat and simply try to meditate, I think meditation really gave me that space between my thoughts and my feelings and myself and really be able to choose how to act. And I think in our busy lives today, we lack that space. And meditation, I think, is the most, most beautiful way to really create that on a daily basis wherein you just have, you're just more present in everything that you do, right? So you are more fully aware of the choices that you make, the thoughts that you're going through, the thoughts that you want to discard, everything, right? So I think if there is ever a routine that I want to swear by, it's always meditation. And it's something that I try like 99.9% every single day in the last four years. I don't think I would have missed it. Like, uh, that's how much I swear by it. Wow. I have a funny story, backstory. I think I may have shared it with you. But I'm, the, I'm not the one who takes anything at face value, right? I'm like, I can't do it. If you tell me, look, meditation is good for you. In any different form, you can tell me that. But sometimes, you know, I need proof, you know, the logical, rational mind takes over. I'm like, really, like, whatever. So it's my first instinct is to be dismissive of these things and uh, move into. So I have a lot of masculine energy. So just the logical, the rational, the doing versus just, you know, taking it at face value and trying. Take some time, try. Anyway. What happened was very strangely. So meditation was one thing that I was struggling with. I'm like, I actually fall. I tried guided meditation. It would help me fall asleep. I did. It did help me stay calm. Sure. Until 
this was in 2018. And one of my coaching clients, very strangely, was in the medical, they went to this business of, they had these medical instruments. And she was telling me about, and we were talking about sales and what are you going to crack this month? And and a very business discussion going on. And they were talking about this tool. And she said, you know, we've had a very interesting breakthrough because we have this tool which captures brain waves. And we've been contacted by this ashram where they teach meditation and they teach meditation to people around the globe. And they have centers in a couple of places outside of India as well. So I was like, okay, where's this going? And it's interesting. So she said, uh, you know, uh, we may crack this deal. We may get these orders because ours is the only instrument that measures. And I was really interested. Why an ashram, medical instrument, what's going on? So she said that when they put this instrument on, it measures the brain waves. Okay. And she said today, I was part of the demo today or the day before we, we spoke. I was part of the demo at this ashram where they made this guy like this. The, uh, a member of that ashram, right? Sit down and go into deep meditation. And they had the machine on reading his, my brain waves, right? And they said, you could see it change. And the instrument is proof for participants of that meditation program that when you're in deep meditation, what happens to your, you know, your beta waves and alpha waves and all of those waves. And I think that moment it clicked to me saying, oh, there's, there's a science to this, you know, your brain waves actually change and take you into a deep state of calm and take you into a different state, altered states. And that's the power of meditation. So that's how, strangely, when I started meditating with more intention, more uh, belief that this works, this was proof that it works. So it's very interesting that you should share that about meditation. Now, my next question for you is, I know you talk about journaling. So can you talk to me about your process of journaling? I just, while I also do journaling, what is your process? What do you teach in that briefly? Sure, sure. So I think uh, journaling is also one of the key ways I've discovered as a means to really tap into that source of awareness, right? So how do you really become aware of what kind of thoughts, what kind of emotions, what are your triggers, what are your patterns? I think journaling is a beautiful, beautiful way to really uh, figure all of that out by, of your, you know, by yourself. So journaling, you know, it's something that uh, is a practice that I also evolved over a period of time. Like I said, writing was my means of self-expression. And uh, that is one of the ways through which I peeled out the many layers of what is not working for me, what is working for me. And uh, the way I teach it also is that, you know, journaling can be a very powerful tool that can be used for many things, right? One, of course, is self-discovery. Two is managing your emotions, right? What are your triggers? Why do you react the way you react? What is that source of that anger or that aggression that you have, for example, all of these things that we probably cannot understand just by our logical minds, journaling helps sort of process them and really work it, right? And, you know, you can use journaling for stress management, for time management. There are just so many other ways that we really teach journaling. The techniques are really simple. And I, I profess that stop complicating all of these things. I think all of us, I, and I think as coaches, we as well, right? Because we promote uh, complicated solutions to simple problems. We are like a morning routine that has like 10 steps in the process. Nobody has the time or the energy to do it. So uh, what we really teach in Being Miraculous is, um, you know, how do you really simplify these processes? And one of the key things that even I share with most of my participants is exactly what you said, right? Like, don't take it for my word. You need to experience it for yourself to really figure out what works for you and what does. And then it might work differently for each of us because we are all wired to, you know, appreciate different things differently. So 
the approach really is that how can you you know it is to say that hey these are all the techniques and these are ways in which we know works for these kind of challenges now take it and use it right make it in your make it your own practice and see how it really works for you and that's where i think the magic happens started out let's say college and then you started your career what is one thing you wish you knew when you started that you understood now it's not so long back i know <laughs> <laughs> no but it feels like a different era right but i think uh, the most most important thing that i wish i knew earlier would be that the being is as important as the doing right and i think subconsciously i knew that because i named my community being miraculous not doing miraculous so there was some level of self awareness at that point in terms of the importance of being but i think the last couple of years i've really explored how the softer sides of it right like so like you said i you know i'm generally very masculine in nature in terms of logic planning 2 plus 2 is equal to 4 these are the inputs that have to go in very systematic very methodical you know logic to the fault but i think meditation opened that up for me as well in making me realize uh, there are so many things that we cannot put into words there are so many things that are beyond all this language and logic all these limitations humans have conceived right so all of that really helped me realize this importance of just being at ease being at ease in yourself and creating from that space of centeredness right i used to like i said you know i was not a very smart kid uh, as a child you know i used to be very naive very fearful very superstitious very immature if i had to you know use a word and i i always felt that you know if i had to succeed i had told myself the story that i have to work really hard right because i am not smart enough as the other kids or i am not well endowed enough as the other kids you know people have better families better wealth and all of those things all of these were stories i told myself saying that i need to work hard to get anywhere in my life and i swore by that story for the longest time right i would do 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 spread myself thin burn myself out in the process and achieve it and uh, now it's almost like funny to see that you know i take breaks even much before burning out right like uh, just last week i took like 5 days off because i could see that signs were coming because i was like overthinking overstimulated i didn't really have that uh, space in my mind so if there is so much more ease because what i do is proactively take time for that rest recuperation how do i really uh, be more and then do right and the what i've realized now is that the texture and the quality of your doing also changes with how much at ease you are in yourself right the more you are everything is that much more powerful it's like the alchemist right like everything you touch becomes gold because you act from that place of security and that centeredness and i think if i had to tell myself uh, you know a couple of years ago i would say take it easy honey it's going to be okay yeah that's an interesting take on you know just letting things like understanding yourself really well and knowing who you are and how to manage your energy i think that's something that's really important my next thing for you is so i know you shared this and i can guess what is what will help you kind of de-stress or wind down while we talk about the morning routine there's a wind down routine or how do you at the end of the day how do you end your day and what do you do if you had a rough day is there is it different from any other day so i think uh, the way i usually end my days is uh, to try and see if i can turn off uh, all my devices at least an hour or two before so one hour is like the minimum that i do so on any regular day i try and turn my data off i think because that's the biggest thing in our phones 
So I turn my data off. That's the biggest thing in our phone. So as soon as I turn my data off, I think there's a lot of quiet in me. So my usual unwind routine uh, is turning my phones off and my data off one hour before reflecting. I have like a simple two minute uh, reflection process at the end of the day where I simply rate my day on a scale of five and say why I rated it the way I did. So it's just like a notion table. It's as simple as that. I put in a number and I say why. And, you know, I usually have like a chamomile tea or something like that. And I do like brahmari or some kind of pranayam just before going to bed. It highly improves the quality of your sleep. Um, so uh, do, do like five to 10 minutes of that and go to sleep. If I have a terribly rough day, uh, what I do is I go for a long, long, long walk in nature, if possible, uh, without phones and headphones, if possible. If not, even like, you know, just go around the building and uh, just sort of uh, unwind a little bit. Uh, the other things I do, what I've realized is that, you know, when we have bad days, we think that we have so much to do and we keep doing, doing, doing. Rather, what I've realized is that on bad days, I rest more. It's very counterintuitive, but you're so much more better off the next day because the more you rest, you realize the next day you have that capacity, right? So when you're already at the edge of your wits and you try to stretch yourself, oh, three more emails, two more things. I think that's very counterintuitive. You know, we think we want to check it off, but the quality of the output there, I've seen personally, at least in my case, is very, very poor, right? Uh, rather, if I cut off much before, you know, even if, if you say I usually work till 7 or 8 p.m., I say that, no, I'll stop at 6, you know, hard stop at 6. I'll do anything, right? Go out for long walks, maybe do restorative yoga, right? Like something that opens up our chest, really lets us, you know, breathe deeper. Because I think when we are busy and we have bad days, if you notice the quality of your breath is very shallow, right? You're breathing from your chest, it hardly goes down. So really figure out asanas that can really open up your chest. You know, it can be something as simple as lying down on the floor and keeping your legs up against the wall, right? Uh, but just allowing that body to breathe a little deeper and then going to bed, right? Or fiction can do that also. Like, you know, that is another thing, hack that I have that, you know, you just read fiction, any mindless fiction that you like, any genre. But just sort of delve into a different story because otherwise your mind is going to constantly keep chattering in a different direction, right? So all of these usually help for me. But yeah, one, one discovery that I had a couple of months ago, I would probably say is that on bad days, rest more. You feel like you shouldn't rest, but that's when you need to rest more. That's when you really need to meditate, right? People say that I don't have time to meditate because I have back-to-back -back meetings. That's when you need to sit down and meditate because that's when you're more present for what you actually have to do. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to learn those asanas from you for sure. And what you say uh, reminds me of the story of the Dalai Lama, right? He's, uh, so somebody asked him, tell us about uh, how long do you meditate? So he said one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening, every day. And on busy days, he said two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. When I've had a especially busy day. So I think that's, that's something that's very interesting, was very interesting for me to hear about him. See what I mean about wisdom already being there. I didn't hear that from Dalai Lama. I would have learned long before. But instead I had to, you know, go through it. <laughs> yeah, but then, but it's also about ability to receive or being open to reception, right? Someone like me, reject, reject, reject. I'm not ready yet. I don't think it works. I know at all. Versus... When you're ready to receive, the teachers all appear and then you hear these stories. So I think it really is about timing as well and that point. But if you're looking for the answers, you will find them. I think that's what I'm taking away from you as well. And my next question is something that is very close to my heart because if there's one thing that I really struggled with, 
and I've tried to conquer, 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 and I've come a long way, of course, is how do you beat procrastination? I know we've discussed this in the past, but I'd love to hear from you how you deal with procrastination. Is it something that you do at all? And if yes, how? Absolutely. I think all of us face procrastination, but I think the biggest way I deal with procrastination is understanding why I'm procrastinating what I'm procrastinating, right? A lot of us mistake procrastination to be a time management issue, to be a, you know, a tactical thing, but actually procrastination is a symptom, right? Uh, What we really need to do is delve into the root cause as to why am I putting this away, right? Like think about it, any rational, normal person say, okay, I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur, and I know that I have to do sales to get my numbers up, right? Logical, makes sense. Logic is there that I do 10 pitches, one pitch converts, gets me money, right? But most entrepreneurs, including me in a couple of years ago, were are scared to do business, are scared to do sales. Why? We procrastinate that. We sit and tweak emails. We sit and do operational processing stuff, but we would not go out and do sales when the logic is crystal clear that, hey, you're going to go out, talk to people only then you're going to grow your business. And if you ask anybody, do you not want to grow your business? Of course not. Everybody wants to grow their business, right? So what we need to realize is that procrastination is a symptom, not the cause, right? What really is the root cause? Do I not know how to do it? Do I not have the energy to do it? Do I not feel motivated to do it? What, what really is the challenge, right? Now, depending on which of these three it is, the answers are different. If I don't know how to do it, the answer is that, hey, I need to find someone who knows and get help. If I don't have energy, I need to figure out a schedule in which, you know, these things that are important to me actually happen. If I'm not motivated, it's a reason for me to go back and say, hey, why did I start doing this? Is that still relevant? Maybe my motivations have changed, in which case, fine, change your goals also. But if your motivation is still there, and it's just about the fact that you're not feeling motivated to do it, maybe that why will re-trigger as to why it's important for you to be there and do it. So my way of really dealing with procrastination, and I really, I, I, I cringe when people say use Pomodoro technique to <laughs> avoid procrastination and be more productive. I think that's very, very foolhardy. I think we need to really look at what emotions are coming in the way of us procrastinating. And it could also be something like, you know, I'm afraid that the outcome won't be favorable, right? I think one of the biggest reasons why we don't do sales, for example, for entrepreneurs is that we are so afraid of a rejection. So even then, you know, going into that saying that, hey, even if I, if that outcome is going to be unfavorable, do I still want to do this? And if that answer is yes, you need to go and put yourself out there, right? So if you catch yourself procrastinating, stop Googling time management techniques, find out what is coming in your way of doing it. Yeah. Okay. Great advice. I have to ask you this one quickly. What motivates you to wake up in the morning? <laughs> I told you, right? I'm a lover of life. I. <laughs> for me i think every single day i mean i i i don't know I, I think i put this whatsapp status message a while ago that you know life is a phenomenal love affair i, I really uh truly truly believe that i wake up and i'm just glad to have another day and uh, of course it's not all days but most days just thanking the lords for another day saying my grace and saying that okay let's let's get this going and with a smile a big big smile because Gosh, you're going to, you know, miss these days when you're able to get up without, you know, creaking your bones. And, you know, when you're going to get old and all of these simple things are also going to be hard. So my motivation really is, and it took a while, right? I used to be the person who used to wake up crying a couple of years ago uh, because it was that state of depression. So my, my 
you know, the work has been to create a life where I wake up looking forward to everything that I have to do, not just good things, but also the not so good things and the bad things. It's really interesting that you said that two years ago, you would wake up crying to now this. It's been a huge shift. And it's credit to the work that you, of course, put in yourself as well. And, you know, December, we come to the New Year resolutions. What's your take on New Year resolutions? Your views on that? Do you set one? Yeah. So not two years, six years ago. But yeah, I think for New Year resolution, I think I can do a whole one hour on it. (laughs) I've actually written a whole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just briefly. Do you you set goals at all? And uh, do you call it resolutions? Do you call it goals? What's your approach? Yeah, so I think, uh, so my personal view on New Year's resolution is that I think this whole new year, new new me kind of thing is uh, too much pressure. And we usually just set ourselves up to fail. And we also try to change too many things at once, right? So we want to be healthy. We want to be, uh, you know, morning people, everything on January 1st, right? And I think that just doesn't happen, right? Uh, I mean, look around you, right? Nature, there's no calendars, right? Trees grow and bloom every single day of the year. It doesn't matter whether the last digit of the year is different calendars were invented for us to, you know, really keep track of time. And we need to keep it just as that. So if there is something that you really want to change, I always say start in December, you know, don't start in Jan, like that's the most foolish thing you can do start now, start where you are today. But having said that, I think December gives a great space for you to stop and reflect, right? To really say, hey, what all have I been doing? Because most of the time, we're going with the flow, we're firefighting day in and day out. I think December really, you know, even if it's that artificial pressure, I think it really forces you to pause and say, hey, what did I start the year off with? What did I end with? And almost all the time I do that. You know, I'm like, hey, I said all of those things. And where did I end up? There's always a gap. And which is good because that means you're being ambitious and desirous. But figure out a way to really do that on a regular basis. So the way I do it is that uh, I celebrate my birthday on July, right? So I really use both those as my occasions to reflect, right? So December is a period where I reflect. And July before I turn on next another year, I again reflect, right? So it really gives me the space to identify saying, hey, who do I want to be in the coming year? Who do I want to be in the coming six months? And set those goals. And yeah, I mean, you call them new year goals if you want to. But the only thing I'll say is that if you think something is not working for you, don't push that to a new calendar year, right? If it is not working for you, start making that change from today. There's no new, uh, you know, new new year gods who are coming in to save us and help us transform. It's really us who needs to do the work, right? So don't postpone it for January 1st, but absolutely use this time to reflect saying, how, how have you been the last 12 months? What can you do better? How do you, have you really made any progress? Uh, are you going in the right track? You know, really ask yourself those questions and redirect if you need to and use this as a way to course correct in your life. And yeah, use that. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. Sure. So, okay. So that's your take on New Year resolutions. I think, yeah, I think I'm over the resolution part, of course, but it's more like I love goal setting. (laughs) I'm a big planner, which earlier used to be planning only and never, you know, translated into action. So that has changed for me, of course. But I do want to ask you, now there are a lot of people who are anyway going to go through the goal setting session. Interestingly, I'm going to be hosting a goal setting session later today. But as we are winding down, okay, now there are two groups of people that I think. There's one group which is 
wanting to start a routine. These are beginners. They're looking at, okay, you know, it's really time that I pull up my socks and get going. What is, and they want to try many different habits, but they don't know where to start. What's your like one word of advice to them who are these early stage wanting to start a new habit, new routine? What's your advice to them? Gosh, I'll say sleep on time. Okay. <laughs> That's where you start. A lot of people start by setting their alarms earlier, half an hour earlier and things like that. I think first you need to sleep on time. Most of us end up binge watching Netflix till late in the night, in which case we you know, wake up later in the day and it really doesn't happen, right? So you might want to start two things in your routine, three things in your routine, whatever it is. But for that, you need to really wake up at least half an hour before or 45 minutes before to really make that happen. And to do that, you need to go into bed at time, right? So probably start there. And I would say that don't overwhelm yourself with more than many things, right? At max, keep two to three things in your morning routine, depending on what is your number one priority for that time, right? So for example, this is something I keep evolving in terms of, so for me, there are two things that are constant, right? Uh, cold showers and meditation are constant in the morning, right? So wake up, wake up, cold shower, meditate. That process is fixed. But what I do after meditation is always evolving, depending on what is my biggest goal for that time, right? So for example, uh, right now, when I'm in the phase of completing my book, my biggest goal is to really ensure that my all my energy and attention when I have my complete presence goes into that book. So the one hour after my meditation simply goes into editing the book, fine tuning it, you know, all that there. Now it could have been something else, you know, earlier it would have probably been when I was rolling out my podcast, writing out those podcasts and rolling them out. It could be building a sales strategy for your business. It could be anything, right? Whatever is your key goal at that point in time. It could be fitness for many people if you want to go out for a run and do all of those things. But what is your number one goal should feature in some way in that morning routine, right? So if you're saying health is your number one priority, figure a way out of how you can use that morning 30 minutes towards your health. It could be meal planning and cooking also. It may not be a workout, whatever it is, but evolve that routine basis that. So keep not more than two or three moving items at any given point in time and use it for your number one priority and keep changing that. Every two, three months, check in. Is that still my priority? If not, swap it out, put a new thing there. Okay. And the second group, okay, uh, I think I've totally, I'm with you on that, sleep early, sleep on time. So for the second group, which is someone who's already, you know, they're aware, they're conscious, they are very intentional about how they start their day, what habits and routines they have, morning or evening or through the day. Now, for this group, they just want to take it to the next level, right? Whatever is the next 1% better for them. What do you recommend? they do? Gosh, I'd probably recommend saying that, ask yourself if you're really doing what you said you're doing, right? I think a lot of us, when we have these routines and we think we're self-aware, we kind of delude ourselves into a slackening routine saying that, hey, you know what? I'm a coach. I've done meditation. I know all of this. I've done meditation three years ago. No, why should I do today? Right? So we start slacking in on our routine, which are really good for us, right? So one simple example that I can give you is that, you know, I used to lose with journaling. You know, I really thought that, hey, I've discovered so much about myself somewhere in 21 mid, right? I'm like, I've discovered so much about myself. What is more to write every single day? Slacken very easily in that routine, right? Then it comes back to bite you. <laughs> You're like, hey, something has gone completely wrong in the last few months and you have no idea why, right? So I would say that if you really have a routine, great. You're already making progress. Try and see whether you've slackened anywhere and whether there is a gap in your existing routine 
fix that and stabilize yourself in that before you level up, right? There were reasons why you started with that routine. Make sure that those reasons are still valid and do that properly first. And if you say, hey, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rockstar solid, 100 on 100. I'm doing all of my routines A1 the way I planned it. Then really look around for inspiration. You know, maybe people around you who are having something X factor that makes you desire saying, hey, that's something that I want to incorporate and something that excites you to have in your routine. Then try and incorporate that. Look around you for inspiration. Look around, look at books anywhere, right? There's no dearth of information in our world today. So really look for inspiration and saying, what is it that I feel is missing? And what am I feeling drawn towards saying, hey, maybe I should do that too, right? And incorporate that in your routine. Sure. Okay. Great advice. And now I want to ask you uh, briefly, just to like, you know, because we, we as coaches, we take it for granted that everyone knows all these terms and what we mean by it. So I'm just going to talk about, I'm just going to ask you this, this on, on a particular type of habit or topic and what you uh, think about it and what's your understanding or definition of it, right? So let's start with intention setting. When we say intention setting, what does it mean and how does one do it? I think intention setting is very simple. It is being clear about the direction you want to go in and what you want to achieve it, right? And I'll probably say go a level deeper in saying that, you know, in doing what you're doing, what are you really trying to achieve, right? So what really is that outcome that you're hoping for by achieving that and whether it's in line with what you overall want in your life, right? So uh, intention setting to me is getting really clear on your goals and how you want to engage in life. Okay. Visualization. Visualization, I think, is a very uh, deep space in my life. I think, um, I don't know who quoted this, but they say, right, that uh, you experience things twice, once in your mind and once in your life, right? I think I, I swear by it. Uh, a lot of our visualization is really the way to get even more clearer in terms of what is it that we really want to attract towards us and, you know, our energy and our vibrations really bring us our reality. So how do you really visualize that desired future? And it may not all be crystal clear when you're starting off. It might be muddled things, but, you know, start with one and really visualizing this, this aspect of my life. This is how I see myself in the future and slowly make shifts towards it. Okay. And of course, meditation, you have already covered. Gratitude journaling, journaling, but the practice of gratitude, right? It could be through a journal. It could be some other way. What is your recommendation for a gratitude practice? Gosh, I have an unpopular opinion about it. Uh, you know, a lot of us, because of this Instagram real generation, I mean, we just say, oh, I'm so thankful for the roof above us and I'm thankful for the food on my plate and all of that. I feel that if you don't really feel thankful, it means nothing. It's empty words. So if you are planning to start a gratitude practice, really, really ask yourself, what are you so grateful for today, right? And honestly, we, we, are, we are so wired to complain about things that are not working out in our favor. To genuinely find something you're grateful for takes a while. You know, that's how we're wired. So if you really want to incorporate a practice of gratitude journaling, I would say that really feel what is it that you're so, so, so grateful for. And it is a wiring that you need to re rewire in our brains, wherein we start to look at the silver lining and the positive things that are in our life. So unless you feel it, my recommendation is don't do it. You're just wasting your time. But if you really feel it, I think it's a very, very powerful practice because, again, it's the same thing, right? Your energy and your vibrations attract what you want in your life. And when you're gratitude, you know, when you learn to appreciate every single thing in your life, you're just attracting more and more of the things you appreciate, right? Just to give you an example, um, 
you know, as we are doing this today, I literally have back-to-back coaching conversations after this, right? Now, there are two ways I can go about it. I can really crib and complain and fight saying, oh, I have back-to-back calls. I don't have time. I don't have time to breathe. I can do all of those things. Or I can say, oh my God, I'm really grateful that there are so many of them willing to work with me, right? Can I really say that and really not just say it, but actually feel it in my bones and feel that ease because I'm not stressed about having this conversation. I'm not stressed about the many conversations that are there. I'm fully present to you and to the next person that I'm going to be in. So gratitude works if you're really able to find that thing that you're grateful for and want to attract more of in your life, right? So feel it. Don't just say it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm trying this on my kid, trying to teach her to start the gratitude the journaling and practice. Of course, it's because I think she complains a lot. <laughs> so good to do with some perspective. I'll tell you how it goes between a kid and an adult and what the difference is in a few months. And finally, last one, chanting. I know some people do this. I haven't done it yet because I do affirmations. I do visualization. I'll do what I feel I need to do that day. But chanting is one that I haven't tried. Have you tried? What's your advice? Absolutely. I think chanting is such a, such a powerful way to get into that meditative state. Again, it's something that is very underrated in our world of logic today because people are like, what is going to happen if I just say OM over and over again, right? You cannot understand the logic. Don't try to understand the logic also. I mean, be inquisitive about whether or not the practices work for you. But my point is that there are certain things that are beyond logic and there are reasons why these practices have survived so many generations, right? If it was really that redundant, it wouldn't have. I think chanting for me, maybe because of my spiritual bent of mind in general, is extremely, extremely soothing. Uh, It is a way to really see what happens is that our monkey minds always need something to attach themselves to, right? So you're either going to attach yourself into anxiety, worry, doubts, fear, or you can, you know, attach yourself to something more holistic, something that will not shake you from your core, right? Chanting does exactly that. When you're saying Hare Ram, Hare Ram, whatever it is that you want to say, right? You want to say any, any, any chant, right? It can I, a yoga teacher of mine actually said that, you know what, if people are atheists, tell them to chant Yahoo. It doesn't matter what, right? What are we really trying to say? We are trying to say, how can you have that center one-pointedness in your mind? That is the purpose of it, right? The practice of chanting, what it really does is start honing your mind to one direction, one-pointedness. And that means that the more I practice doing chanting, the more when I'm sitting at work, I'm able to have one-pointed attention to Savita and the conversation I'm having right now. The more I am present in every single aspect of my life. That's the brilliance of chanting. And the other thing is the sounds, right? Each of these sounds, like for example, if you were to talk about, um, right? Om chanting, they say, is literally the sound of the cosmos, right? Uh, that is the vibration of the cosmos. So when these chants purify you in themselves. So in yoga, they call it chitta shuddhi, right? So sounds like OM, the vibrations itself cleanse and purify you. There is no more that you need to do. And that's why it works on dummies like us, like, like me, you know, that even if you don't know what you're doing and still show up to do it, it still adds value, right? So chanting, I think, really works. And in, if we can talk about, like, you know, most of us, you know, we have this uh, concept of Ishta Devda, right? Like you can choose which which form of God or form of that, you know, so universal cosmos or supreme creator that you want to believe in and really use a chant that works. It, there is, all of them work, right? Like, and if you are, uh, like my teacher said, atheists and not believers in God, scream Yahoo at the top of your voice. It doesn't matter. 
but chanting is a great great way to build focus and attention and build that one pointedness in our mind yeah i can imagine i must try and finally as we come towards the end of our interview i know i mean i could go on but i do have two last questions for you one is what's your favorite way to inculcate deepen maintain a habit make a habit stick <laughs> you can go james clear on this of course i think i think this the thing that really worked for me in my uh, life is to really know why i'm doing what i'm doing right uh, for me i think the reason behind it always gave me meaning and that gave me the importance to make a habit stick and uh, obviously james clear has 100 more techniques that he has probably tried and tested and uh, it's that's his territory not mine but i think uh, one is to make sure that you're very clear on why you're doing what you're doing and two i think this i don't know where i picked up this term but they have a term called flexible consistency and i really like that term right because i used to be this entire binary person right it was either zero or one and there was nothing in between and for me accepting nothing in between was very very difficult and obviously as we grow as we adult we have so many more responsibilities that even if we want to sometimes there are days when you're not going to be able to do certain habits the way you want to right that 100% so this flexible consistency really worked made me feel much more comfortable in the process of making a habit stick saying that hey i'm going to put in my best efforts to make it happen and that's what i did with meditation right like i never said that i'm going to meditate every day for the rest of my life when i started i just said that as much as i can i'm going to get in the morning get up in the morning and sit down for meditation that's all i didn't put too much pressure on myself saying that i'm going to meditate every single day for the rest of my life for 30 minutes one hour imagine that i would have stopped at that point only right so this term of flexible consistency i think makes a lot of sense that you are going to give in your 100% to try and make that happen and in reasons for whatever reasons if it doesn't happen you will bounce back just as quickly right so like james clear says right that one will never become two days of missing but you will show up back again so have that flexible consistency don't aim for that perfectionism in this habit tracker record it's okay you miss a day come back again as long as you're clear that this is something that's important to you and is going to add value in your life in the long term definitely do it right yeah i think i agree come back it's okay if you fall off the wagon repetition will lead to success right just keep showing up over and over again and at some point it's going to stick because you just like you shown up so often that it comes easy yeah and also i think uh, there's this um, there's this yogic concept if i can actually share and i think it's something that's very beautiful um, in terms of having this perspective is that you know there's this concept of shreyas and prayas right so you know shreyas is something that's probably good in the long term whereas prayas is something that is pleasant in the short term right i think most of us are wired to go the short term route right whatever is pleasant at the moment and really saying what is easy for me to do right now right what is obviously easy for me to do is pick up my phone and scroll instagram because hey i'm getting like you know instant dopamine hits every time i'm going to tap 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 but the question really when when you're trying to build habits right most of these habits for example uh, being healthy working out more meditating all of them are not going to give you any results on day one they're not going to give you any results even on day 30 sometimes right i think for me when i started meditating i probably realized the value of meditation probably two or three years later right that's how long sometimes it takes it might be shorter for others but the point is really to say that in the long term you know is it going to lead to something good is if so is it worth doing the sacrifices now i think we when we are more cognizant of that i think we are more likely to stick with it 
Yeah. Okay. Deep. I'm going to spend some more time in re-listening to what you just shared. And uh, I think, yeah, it, nothing is going to happen on day one. And if you're showing up and hoping that something's going to happen on day one, two, three, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you're willing to have that patience and grit and hold on and show up, yeah, I think it's totally something that will help you stick with anything, right? Success is uh, consistency. So with that, we come to the end of our interview and we have for our audience watching, listening, we have something that Shweta is going to be doing for us, which we'll share uh, with you, which is a guided visualization that you will walk us through to help us set up for 2023. So thank you for that, Shweta. This is going to be uh, after this, take some time to our listeners, take some time. You know, you can download just this part, record just this part, use this and to do your visualization exercise. I know I watched Shweta do this earlier and I really like this. It's, it's a very helpful exercise for you. Don't know where to start? Start here. Okay. So with that, Shweta, for our audience, how can our audience find you, get in touch with you, work with you, please share with us. Of course, we're going to be dropping all the links in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the fastest way you can probably listen to more of what I, uh, what views I have and the knowledge that we build is I think access our podcast. The podcasts are available in the same name, Being Miraculous, which is B-E-I-N-G-M-E-R-A-K-L-I-S. I'm sure you'll be dropping the links anyway. Otherwise, you can just go to our Instagram, again, under the same name, Being Miraculous, and you'll find all the links on the drive. I'm quite active on LinkedIn and that. And the other way that you can probably be in touch with us is to access our weekly letters. We have our, every Friday, we have an emailer that goes out that has tips on life and living and how do you really own your everyday with more insights. So yeah, all of those ways. And I'm quite active on all of these platforms. So Instagram, LinkedIn, emails or website. Yeah. And also for people who would like to experience coaching, especially if you're struggling in the areas of clarity, purpose, all of that, you know, get in touch with Shweta and book a discovery session. And with that, Shweta, thank you so much. It's, I, I was really expecting this interview to be quite you know, short, like, okay, how much can we talk about habits and meditation? We'll be done in 30, but it's been such a deep dive. And I still had a few things that I wanted to ask you, but because of lack of time, uh, habit, maybe we'll bring you on for part two. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, here's to a great 2023 for you and being miraculous as well. And yeah, look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the insightful questions. It was a lovely conversation here as well. And yeah, happy 2023 to all of you listening to us and to you, Savita. Wish you the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again on the podcast, hopefully. And now, as you ease into 2023, Shweta has shared with us a guided visualization practice. Close your eyes for a moment and just do this practice now or you can save it and do it over and over again, not just as you welcome 2023, but through the year. Get comfortable wherever you're seated. If you're seated on a chair, plant your feet firmly on the ground. Or if you're seated on the floor, make minute adjustments to your posture to be a little more comfortable and whenever you're ready gently 
close your eyes. Gather your awareness from all over the place and bring it inward to your breath. Inhale deeply and exhale completely. Continue breathing deeply and stay anchored to your breath and my voice. As another year draws by to an end, pat yourself in the back for the many things you did well. Compassionately acknowledge the things that could have gone better. And feel gratitude from the bottom of the heart for the many acknowledged and unacknowledged blessings you and your loved ones have been gifted with in the last 12 months. Stay in the vibration of gratitude and continue breathing deeply. Inhale slowly and exhale completely. As you continue taking deep, deep breaths, gently tilt your head slightly upwards and bring your focus between the two eyebrows. Relax the body and the mind and simply stay with the breath. Take a moment to think about those big, big dreams of yours, the wild, audacious ones that you hold in the deepest corners of your heart. Allow yourself to visualize those dreams. Visualization is a great place to begin manifesting anything you want in real life. Remember, everything is created twice once in the mind and again in our reality. Everything you desire can be created because you are the creator who mirrors the same energy that's continuously creating this magnificent world. Whether you desire building that dream house, owning 
massive business empires, nurturing meaningful relationships, success, wealth, fame, love. It all begins with you. Your intention, attention and emotion create your reality. Wherever your attention goes, your energy flows towards making that happen for you. Knowing this truth in your heart, think about what you'd like to achieve in the next 12 months. Fast forward to 2023. This time next year. Where do you want to be? wish you accomplished by then. Think about your personal life. career or business? Finances and money. and community your personal learning and growth Visualize what accomplishing each of that would feel like. See 
yourself there now. Feel yourself there. Achieving it. Owning it. Being that. Whatever comes up, allow it to flow effortlessly. If a limiting belief or doubt crops up, let it pass and go back to visualizing your desired future. Think about how would you feel to have made it there. the emotions brimming in you as you visualize that future possibility. Breathe this in deeply and breathe out fear, doubts and limiting beliefs. You are the creator of your life. You hold the power to manifest your desires. You hold the key to the door towards your dream life in your hands. Feel that vibrancy, that energy, that exuberance when your dreams come true. You made it happen and you made it look effortless. Stay in that feeling, that sense of accomplishment. Remember, when you change your energy, you change your life. Feel that energy penetrating into every cell in every corner of your body. Surrender your creation to the field of possibilities and allow it to execute in a way that's right for you. Let go and trust in the creator and the magnificence. Whatever you experience in the realm of possibilities and embrace emotionally must manifest in your reality. It's time for action. Action is the making of imagination. Inspired action is when your thoughts, feelings and actions are truly aligned. It is the ultimate form of progress. Gear yourself up to take the action you need to execute to achieve the goals you desire. And whenever you're ready, come back to the room. Take the time now to bend down 
all the key themes and goals that you visualized for yourself. Make it as articulate and as clear as possible. And for every goal that you pen down, start planning the steps or the inspired action you need to take to make that dream a reality. This is Shweta hoping and wishing all your dreams and more come true. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.